week is entitled, How High Should We Aspire? And this is week 17. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. This passage this week is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 5. I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. The easiest explanation for these words is that they were spoken in criticism of the scribes and Pharisees, particularly since Jesus was often verbally attacked by them and stood up to them fearlessly. However, it wouldn't have been much of a challenge to the disciples who aspired to spiritual perfection to tell them, don't be like those who lack any such inspiration, aspiration. Jesus, in fact, says only a few verses later, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. What Jesus was referring to here then was the self-righteousness of the priests. Don't seek perfection, he was saying to his disciples, in the image you project toward others. Don't be satisfied with a goodness born merely of ego definitions. The highest virtue is to transcend the very thought of personal virtue in the realization of God alone as the doer. Before this realization, even the thought, I am kind or I am truthful, is self-limiting. As it says in the Bhagavad Gita, the seventh chapter, Yet hard the wise Mahatma is to find, that man who saith, all is Vasudev. Thus through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. like to welcome all of you. It's always a joy to come together with people who are seeking the truth. And so thank you for coming and joining us. I'd like to read a passage from Whispers from Eternity that Paramahansa Yogananda wrote. This is the prayer demand for removing the cork of ignorance. No more shall my consciousness remain bottled in this little vessel of flesh corked with ignorance. No more will I remain moving through the sea of cosmic consciousness, night and day, years, decades, and how many incarnations, so close, 
yet never able to contact thy sea. Through the bursting vibration of cosmic sound and the surging of thy holy name, I have removed the cork of ignorance, which so long separated me from thee. Though we lived together so closely, now my body consciousness will meet thy all-surrounding, all-pervading consciousness. No longer will I walk heedlessly in thee, but never knowing and feeling thee. Thine image within shall meet thine image everywhere. By releasing the I-ness in me, I will know that I am thou, and that thou alone art the little egos of us all. So our topic is how high should we aspire? But Dr. Peter coined a phrase, engineered for divinity. I think we're fated for divinity. I think that we don't, in the last analysis, have a choice of how high we want to aspire because of the structure of this universe. We are part of all that is. We are made of light. That is the fact. I'm sorry if you don't like it. <laughs> it's the way it is. And so we can't aspire to go halfway or part of the way because inside of every human being is the soul, the perfect reflection of God. And it throbs there and it sits there and it pushes us and we can't get away from it because we are made of that. We are that. Tat tvam asi, thou art that. That's the reality. So we really have to aspire to that. When we don't aspire to that, when we're pushed by it as every human being is, the energy is going to push us and make us uncomfortable with anything less than self-realization. And that is what we see in the world, in our brothers and sisters. We see people pushed by the soul towards the power of God, the Shakti of God. But thinking that they can attain that through worldly power, they seek worldly power. They seek to be the president, the prime minister. They seek to be the councilman or the board of supervisors or the planning committee members. They think that power which is inherent in the soul, is going to be found in the outside world. And that's due to delusion. That is the enemy. Delusion is constantly trying to mess us up and get our attention in the wrong direction, outward, instead of the simple realization that at the point between the eyebrows, all power, all wisdom, all love, all peace is residing, that it's our nature, and the masters come repeatedly and say, seek it inside yourself. Seek it there and you'll find it. And finding it, you'll have everything. You'll have complete fulfillment. We look at the world around us. Yogananda called the efforts of humans guided by delusions counterfeit samadhi, the opioid addiction epidemic, heroin and alcohol and all intoxicants. Master called them counterfeit samadhi because what, what the soul is asking for is tranquil, 
unbroken thrill, eternally living, ever new peace. And we think in the delusion, oh, if I dull the senses, I'll have peace. But we have unconsciousness and we have suffering and all sorts of things happen from it. But this, this, we're caught in this dilemma that we're fated for divinity. We are children of light. And inside of us, we know it. But the delusion drowns out the voice of God within us. I will drown their noises loudly chanting, God, God, God. And so the masters come and say, this is easier than you think. <laughs> Let go of the outside world. Find your own Buddha nature. Find Krishna consciousness. Find Christ consciousness. Look inside. It's there. And those of us who are lucky enough to have played in the movie long enough and suffered enough, is how Master put it, we say, no, wait a minute. How do I get out of this? What is this dream? And this is this prayer from Master. This inus, the phony inus, the ego, trying to masquerade as the divine soul. I am formless, ever free, in myself I am free. Now, when we first come on the spiritual path, at least when I did, came to Ananda, Swami Kriyananda did not lower the bar. <laughs> he never lowered the bar. Why didn't he lower the bar? Because Paramahansa Yogananda didn't lower the bar. Paramahansa Yogananda said the time for knowing God has come. It's now. And so he left India with this incredible truth. India's great contribution to human experience. The reality of meditation and the inner reality of the soul's nature. And that everything in the outside world is waiting for us in the inside world. That the outside world is a mirror. It's a dream. And this is what Master talked about in this prayer. And this is what Swami talked about in the reading. And Master said, live in God. Learn to meditate. And you will find that everything, all aspect of God, is within the self. And so he gave us Kriya Yoga. But there are other paths to God. But they lead to the same place. The Buddha, Christ, Krishna, Moses, Kabir, on and on. All the masters. They say, you have to aspire to freedom because anything less, it's going to hurt. It's not going to be enough. All the money in the world, not enough. All the cars in the world, not enough. Not the biggest, biggest house in the whole world, not enough. The, the taste of God, enough. Perfect. You all know the story of Ganesha. He, he was trying to get a hold. He was sent by Shiva to uh, Kabir's big spread. He was the king of the gods. And, and he got there and he said, okay, I'm ready, I'm here, I'm representing Shiva. And he said, okay, well, you can have some buffet. Ganesha ate the whole buffet. He said, that's not enough. And he said, but, but, because Kabir was, a, a, I mean, not Kabir, uh, Kubera was attached to his wealth. And then Ganesha kept going. He said, okay, I had all the food. What else do you have? He said, well, I have all the, go the gold and the riches of the gods. Ganesha went and ate all that. He said, it's not enough. And so he started chasing Kubera. Kubera ran, and finally Kubera fell at the feet of Shiva. And he said, oh, Lord, I got it. I blew it. Save me from Ganesha. I was attached to all this wealth. And Mother Parvati took a little finger in the keer 
And she gave it to Ganesha. Mm. I said, oh, I'm satisfied. Divine consciousness, just a touch. Even a little practice of this inward religion will free you from dire fears and colossal sufferings. That's the answer. That's what we have to aspire to. And then we just have to work at it. We just have to practice. We look at the life of Kriyananda. We, last week, one week ago, Davy told us that we had to resurrect ourselves. Okay, how'd you do this week? Did you stay out of the sepulcher all week? Did you think of your risen consciousness? Did you stay out of that tomb of delusion? Because the moment we left this last week, delusion just started again. Hmm, how could I get him back? How could I get him back in that tomb? Oh, they rolled away the stone. But what if I started putting little rocks of attachments around the door and lured them in and all of a sudden we're caught again. We're limited. We're not free. We're not the risen Christ. So it's a constant battle. We have to constantly push ourselves towards freedom and remind ourselves because the world Worldly consciousness, delusion, is always trying to hypnotize us and saying, gosh, that would be a lot of work to meditate every day, all the time. You give up all your desires. How about giving up a few of your desires and keeping some really special ones and really getting into them, you know? Like really big time. But delusion is going to lose because we're fated for divinity. And we know that because we look at the lives of the saints. Now, in between last Sunday, Easter, when we all resurrected. And on Friday, we celebrated the fourth anniversary of the Moksha of Kriyananda, the day that he left. And what happened then? Well, Kriyananda held the bar high for us because Master held the bar high for him. Remember this story of young Kriyananda? He went and he was in a, a tableau and he was supposed to look like Jesus. Swami said because he looked like a, because he had a beard in the 1950s. But anyway, he, he came back from the tableau and he came back to Master. Master said, how'd it go? And Swami said, good, it went okay. And Master said, well, I heard that you, people said you look like Jesus. And, and Kriyananda said, well, I'd rather be like Jesus than look like Jesus. And Master said, that will come. Now, he wasn't just saying that to Kriyananda because... He was Kriyananda. He was saying it to all of us. That will come. You'll wake up. You're going to come down out of that tomb of ignorance. You're going to live in the light. But you have to aspire to it. You have to hold on to it. And that's what Kriyananda did. And that's what he asked us to do, is hold on to the highest. Think of yourself as a Jiva Mukta, free while living. Think of yourself as free. Now, I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands, but I want you to just ask yourself, do you have a place in your consciousness where you're formless and free, completely free? In your meditation, do you go to a place in that light where you own nothing, you are free. You own no one, you are free. You are formless, ever free. In yourself, you are free. If you're not there yet, go there this week. And go there every meditation. And make it habitual. Constantly put yourself in the consciousness of yourself as a free being. I would, as a former actor, uh, recognize and invite you to write the script of your life with you as an avatar. 
as a free being, playing the part of this techie in a cubicle in Nowheresville, nothing important. Because you don't have to be important in the outside world. That's what doesn't count. What counts, that will come. That's Master saying, that will come. You're going to realize, you're going to come to the awareness that you're not the body, you're not a race, or an ethnicity, or a job, or a bankrupt person, or a divorced person, or a mother, or a father. You're much more than that. You're all of that. You are a part of all that is. Live in that consciousness. Make it habitual. And write your day, write the script of your day with you as Kriyananda. Kriyananda would, would thank him for all the books he wrote. He'd get all these awards and stuff. And he'd say, I didn't write anything. God did it. God did it all. And he wasn't being humble. He was beyond that. It was a state of consciousness. Swami did not feel that Ananda was his creation or his work. This was Master's work. Doing it through Kriyananda and Jyotish and Devi and Jaya and Sadhana and all the rest of us. But it's God's work. Your work is God's work. Those are God's kids. Those are God's ex-wives. <laughs> this is the reality. Is that we are fated for divinity. We are doomed to divinity. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> The, you can't really go back and say, no, I think I'm going to go back to the dream. You can try it. And disciples sometimes try, oh, no, I think I'm going to you know, make a killing in the stock market or something. If you make a killing in the stock market for the Temple of Light, good. <laughs> if, you make, if you make a killing in the stock market so that you can gratify your ego, bad. It's going to cause you suffering. But give it all away. Be formless. Be free. Chant that chant. It's a wonderful... All the Swami's chants are good. So, you know, what am I saying? But, but chant that chant and feel yourself as free. You know what Naya Swamis take a vow? They no longer exist as a separate entity. Nothing counts. No resume. You didn't do good. You didn't do bad. You didn't do anything. God did it. And that's the level of reality that we all need. Because when we get there, we get where Christ was. We get where Master was. Master came to this country. He was 27 years old. He came from India. He landed in Boston. And he brought this consciousness to America and the world. And it is a reality. And people are understanding that the path to God is a path of inward attention on the reality of their life and their light at the point between the eyebrows. That is what we're doomed to. That's what we're fated for. Embrace it and make your life dynamic with that joy. And it doesn't matter what your position in life is. Some of us have very little position in life or no position in life. We're nothing. We're nobody. We are free. We are formless, ever free. In ourselves, we are free. Live in that light and find those practices from the innumerable practices of Paramahansa Yogananda and Swami Kriyananda, or if you're on another path, from your brand of Buddhism, your brand of Christianity, your brand of shamanism, I don't care what you do. What I want you to do is dissolve the sense that you're separate from that light, that you're not free, 
because that is always going to haunt you. And moksha is freedom. As Kriyananda went on, you could just see. He had nothing. There was a work happening in India. He was going to go there and help it happen. But he wasn't that work. It wasn't his work. It was a work in America. It was a work in Europe. It's a work throughout the world. It's on the internet. You know, when we have meditation classes, we have people from all over the world take meditation classes. And the light of master is going through cyberspace to the hearts and minds of our brothers and sisters. It is a complete miracle. It solves the problem of those of us who are here doing our mailings <laughs> with our little, uh, write, everyone writes, okay, you write these names on these addresses and we're going to mail them <laughs> something. I always wondered, how are we going to mail it to Africa? How are we going to mail it to South America? They don't even read English. <laughs> you know, what are they gonna, what's this address going to say? But God did it. God does everything. And that's the realization, is that we're not doing anything at all. We're formless. We're free. Feel yourself in that freedom, in that light. Practice whatever your path is. If it is Kriya, practice Hong Saw. I am spirit. Practice the Om technique. This is Master referring to the Om technique in this reading. The Om, the name of God, dissolving that separateness. Chant Om, think Om, roar Om. Think about God. Think about God doing your job through you and being married through you and having those children and going to work and finding a new job when it's time to do that and doing everything through you. And then you get to that place where Kriyananda was. And so you know what we did on, on Friday? We went to the Moksha Mandir. We went to his apartment. We went to his dome. And we sat with Swami. Because when Swami left the body four years ago, the 21st of April, this amazing thing happened all over the world. It happened in Italy, and it happened here, and it happened in India, and it happened everywhere else. But Kriyananda dropped the body. And so he was formless, and he was free, and we all felt it. We all felt that it was Kriyananda without the skin, without the circle, without the, oh, Swami's in Italy, Swami's in India, Swami's doing this. Swami's everywhere. You're everywhere. You're one with the Father. Live in that. Stay out of that tomb. Stay out in the light. Resurrect yourself every day in the light of God and feel his joy, feel his reality. You know what happens too? Is what happened to Kriyananda and to Yogananda and all the other masters. Is when you're free and you're formless, you see all the brothers and sisters as formless and free. And that's how Kriyananda set the bar so high for these 23-year-old kids in teepees with no running water or electricity and him looking at us saying, you are a child of the infinite. And I'd look at him and going, Swamiji, maybe you need glasses. <laughs> we don't look like the children of the infinite. We look pretty ragtag. But he wasn't looking at that. Master wasn't looking at that. Master once came out of the all-day meditation and he looked at everyone and he said, you have no idea how beautiful you are. Silver light and golden light. That's the world they live in. Why don't we live there? Because we think of form. And we put the little ego as opposed to, but it's not real. Silver light and golden light. That's what everyone is. All life. God who is in all life is joy. Life is a mission from on high. Life is the quest for inner joy. God bless you all. <laughs>